0: Hey, welcome everybody. A lot going on in the public markets as there always is. Right, Dave? Absolutely. We got the resurgence of the risk trade. Growth stocks are back. We have the debt ceiling decisions looming with massive consequences that hang in the balance. The Fed has increased interest rates. Banks are failing and we're heading into a recession. What do we make of all this? Let's talk about it in the Presidio Perspective. Stay tuned. All right. Well, a lot of going. Lots going on, Dave. Where should we start? Maybe um let's take a little history lesson of like how we got here, okay? Because there is just kind of like these these bifurcating, competing events that we're tracking right now as you read the financial news. So, let's talk a little bit uh just a quick reminder of where how we got here because it looks to me like you know we're not out of the woods by any means with this economy but we also seemingly have been here for a long time i mean since last june it looks like gdp declining you know we actually had a technical recession last year so we might look back on this right and say we're we're already a year in
1: could have started
0: yeah Inflation's coming down, housing starts crash, housing sales are crashing, PMI, when I say that, I mean over a year over year basis last year, PMI down, ISM down, U.S. exports down, and most importantly, co- corporate profits declining all since last June. Um, what happened? You know, cause it's really showing that we're, Every all we're looking at, what, 33 economic U.S. major indicators now. And and a lot of them are showing, wow, we were kind of in a recession since last June. Everything's been moderating, coming down. And, and what happened last June that caused that?
1: I think to me it's a big story about interest rates and inflation. If we rewind back to where we were in June, remember that's when inflation peaked. We hit CPI of 9%. We hit – um, PCE, the Fed's preferred inflation measure, of over seven yeah. percent, that was enough for Powell to say, "Hey, we thought inflation was transitory. Guess what? We were wrong. We now need to start tightening monetary policy." It seems crazy looking back on it, but in that period in June of last year, the Fed funds rate was between one and a half percent and one and three quarters percent. Right. Where are we now? We're over 5% on yeah. the Fed funds rate. That's over 300 basis points in total hikes. And we know the Fed hikes until they break something. So I think we're starting to see some of that happen, right?
0: But we're not in this true recession, right? As we look at the data, I mean, yes, we were coming out of this no-rate environment, massive government spending, money printing, low taxes, you name it. And... Now you see that, yeah, what do you say? The Fed's gonna hit something till it breaks, essentially, right. right? And that's the goal. But something's not breaking. And it looks like it's anything, any U.S., you know, major indicator, uh, economic indicator associated with the U.S. consumer.
1: Yeah, consumer's been strong. Unemployment at 3.4%, the lowest unemployment rate we've had since the late 60s. Mm-hmm. Wage growth is strong. Um, the labor market is strong. But the flip side of it, I think, if you look at some of the other more economic-oriented indicators, ISM, um, Purchasing Managers Index. Um,
0: Those ones that we just named.
1: Yeah, right. Are, are looking a lot weaker.
0: Well, however, personal expenditures are up, disposable income of the con- consumers up. And like you said, wage growth is above inflation even, right? So it's super tight labor market. Well, that tells me we're not done. Right. I mean, you're not going to have this actual recession that and a real decrease in inflation while the US consumer is still spending. Right. I mean, and when you look at US consumer expenditures, they spend into recessions. It's not they stop and then we go into recession. We go into a recession and then spending comes down significantly. Corporate profits, asset prices are declining. Then the Fed lowers interest rates. But but you're telling me we have a couple interest rates priced in potentially by the end of the year.
1: Interest rate cuts priced in by the end of the, the year. Yeah. What would I say? Uh, just interest rates.
0: Interest rates are priced in. <laughs> they are priced in. Yes. Something with interest rates are priced in. Great. Interest rate cuts. Okay. So tell me about
1: that. So really interesting, right? If we think about what the Fed's goal is, they have the dual mandate to control inflation and to promote full employment hard to argue that we're not at full employment right now with where the labor market is. So they're really focused on that inflation number. We've seen it moderate, but we're still looking at inflation in the 4.5%, 5% 5 range, depending on which indicator you look at. So the market's expecting that that inflation number is going to quickly subside back to 2% or below. The risk is hey, what if with wage growth where it is, with the labor market where it is, that inflation doesn't come down as quickly as the market expects, they're going to need to rethink that expectation that the Fed's going to start cutting by the end of the year. Yeah.
0: And so so some people are, are looking at a potential Fed pause or pivot, right?
1: Or a skip. I've seen the skip being mentioned, where they skip one meeting and then get back on the rate hike cycle.
0: But... Inflation, although coming down, is still an issue, and with a strong consumer and a super tight labor market, it's going to be near impossible to bring that down. Um, And so it's it's kind of getting prepared for this higher for longer type of market. And so, what does that tell us? Like, what's the higher inflation for longer? I mean, isn't that kind of what we're preparing for here?
1: Yeah, exactly. I think it's the combination of that sticky higher inflation. And by that, I don't think we're saying that inflation is going to go back up to 9%. We're just saying that it's not going to be at the level at which the Fed's comfortable cutting rates. So kind of call it that, you know, 3 to 4% inflation level, um, but slower growth, right? Slower economic growth as the Fed needs to maintain a bit of a tighter grip on the economy um, to to keep that inflation down.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think... The debate about whether they pause, skip, or cut isn't whether they get down to that 2% mandate by the end of the year. It's whether they abandon it, right? And so I think that's what a lot of people are hoping or or thinking about um, when they're pricing in a potential pause, cut, skip, pivot, whatever you call it, um, is do they get off the 2% mandate, which
1: I would – nothing definitive to say that they would. Seems in looking at everything that Jay Powell has said, everything that Jay Powell has written, everything the Fed has published over the last few years, hard to imagine anything in their thinking currently that they're they're going to to get off of that two percent goal. And so I think it's important that we just prepare people
0: for a long road ahead. Right? I mean, this isn't we're out of the woods here. We've had a tough year. You know, what did everybody say going into this year? You know, really hard first half, really choppy second half. You know, maybe it's the opposite that we're looking at. We've had a nice, you know, pause as far as seeing our accounts go down, the resurgence of growth stocks and the Nasdaq doing very well. But um I don't know, investors should just brace themselves. We aren't um we aren't going back to the the type of environment that we were in where that, that stuff was working, right? We are in an environment of low growth, higher than average inflation cost of capital is dramatically higher. Um, You know, and then commodity costs, credit is tightening, okay? Mm -hmm. So the access to capital is harder. So, um, you know, this is going to bode well for some companies and and be harder on others.
1: But then you add, we
0: have fiscal monetary headwinds that we're dealing with.
1: I still think that's a piece of the puzzle that a lot of people aren't talking about currently, right? The Fed... um had increased their balance sheet substantially during the post-COVID period in order to promote growth to lower interest rates. They've now been in a period where they're reducing the size of their balance sheet by $95 billion a month. And all expectations are they'll continue at that pace. So further tightening. Okay. And so they
0: are selling bonds. Okay. So increasing supply. And when you increase supply, right, doesn't the the price go down, right? and when the price of a bond goes down, in
1: other words, the yield or the interest rate is higher. You need to incentivize more people to buy those bonds with but, higher interest rates. So, so
0: just for, for our listeners and viewers, that if they are selling bonds, that is going to cause interest rates to go higher. So even if they pause, skip, pivot, whatever on the federal funds rate, they have a mandate, right, that they are selling $95 billion of bonds, and I believe that translates to approximately a one-tenth of a percent increase in interest rates. Right. And so if they did that for a year, interest rates are increasing by 1.2 if they leave, if they left the federal funds rate alone. Right. Cost of capital is higher. Right. Risk premiums are higher labor, uh, the credit markets continue tightening. We have low growth. Those eat into corporate profits. These are all the things that we're facing right now. And we talked about the stock and bond markets with increasing interest rates. And so we're, it just started, folks, like this just got going, you know. And then, yes, we're having these debt ceiling debates on top of it.
1: The elephant in the room, the debt ceiling. Um. So so maybe we'll pause
0: pause on that, talk about the debt ceiling a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about What investors should be doing right now um, as far as their portfolios?
1: So to me, it's three really important things right now. The first is to look closely at your risk tolerance and your investment time horizon and pursue a well-diversified portfolio. We know that market corrections happen regularly. For investors who are disciplined, who know what the playbook is, who know what the strategy is, market corrections are an opportunity. For investors who are over concentrated, who have too much risk in their portfolio, that's when they really become problematic. Well, I think what we've seen is a real big like year to date, right?
0: If those people have a lot of growth in their portfolio still, right, they they didn't want to, you know, sell out at the bottom last year, right? They carried a lot of growth in twenty twenty one. You know, gosh, last fall it was painful. They held on and you've seen a big recovery since last October in the Nasdaq and these growth names. Yeah. And if you're over concentrated in that, it is it is absolute time to take a look at your rebalancing options, right? Look, how do you make money in investing? One way, a great way is to buy low and sell high. And so a lot of people know that and they looked and and said in October of last year, I have a long-term time horizon, I'm not selling these companies at these at these prices. I'm going to wait for a better time. And, you know, people who say that Just write it down, okay? Make a, make a target for yourself because then you get it. And then they go, well, it's going up. It's so hard to sell the thing that's winning and buy the thing that's losing, but that's how you buy low and sell high. And that is the opportunity that investors have right now, right? And, and if you are concentrating those growth names, you know, just saying, take a look. How concentrated are you? Are you over concentrated? When you get your opportunity to rebalance, and you've seen what, um, energy and oil kind of go flat, right? Dividend stocks, small caps have been relatively flat. Like the opportunity to rebalance your portfolio right now, if you are concentrated in growth, is fantastic. Um if your goal is to rebalance and and have a more balanced and diversified portfolio. But I mean small caps are like in a five year bear market. Yeah. I mean there there's You know, if you're if you're looking for a Fed pivot, I mean, I got to say, you know, I'd rather probably I'd want some exposure to small caps versus just mega tech, right? Large cap tech.
1: I think that's point number two. It's understand that we're in a new investment environment. If the last 10 years was characterized by extremely low inflation, by extremely low interest rates in that period, U.S. large cap growth outperformed everything else. Over the last ten years, um, Nasdaq outperformed the S and P 500 by over a factor of two.
0: Yeah, and and there is concentration though in some of those names, right? I mean, there is concentration. In some some companies becoming worth two trillion dollars, which yep. I think drove that. Right? Yep. Those companies are the winners, right? They are untouchables. Um, so, however, you still want that balance in your portfolio. Right. Because they could go through long periods of time where they're not performing for you. So, you know,
1: especially if we're in this um, lower growth, higher interest rate type environment, right? We're in a different economic regime. So you've got to think about things like fundamentals, things like valuation, things like balance sheets. Even looking at the tech sector right now, you're trading at a forward price to earning of 26 on tech versus 18 on the market as a whole, yeah, and about 13 on small caps. But to be fair, they don't need public markets to raise equity. They don't
0: need the bond market to raise raise cash. They don't need banks to borrow. Right. They are cash generating machines Mm -hmm. that are earning interest on their cash. Mm -hmm. Right. So they are the winners, you know. So they, they're very insulated. I think they deserve a higher price, but uh, the concentrations are still an issue where you want to look for opportunities. And they have these, this AI trade, right? That, that, that could be going. This is probably the first inning, right? First out of the first inning. Yep. uh, Where you can really see some power. So, I uh, don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater here, but you know there is over-concentrations we see of over 50% and still that top right box of large cap growth where it's like, oh, great time to look at your opportunities.
1: I think you nailed it a minute ago, right? We're not saying that this is the time to totally dump that exposure, but hey, maybe this is the time to look to see if you might be a little bit over-concentrated given your financial plan.
0: International fixed income, the other two, so small cap international fixed income, right, are, are things that... Uh, we're also looking for our opportunities and just with fixed income, you know, we, we have a lot of, uh, folks that we see that have a lot of cash or money market accounts and those are great, but you want to get your playbook together. At what point do we want to start feathering in duration? And if you're looking at the 10 year and it's almost 4%, right? And I didn't look at it today. I don't know what it is, but it's close. And, um, so you know, at some point, if you are in the camp of like, hey, this is going to reverse back once we get into recession or inflation moderates, interest rates come down. Well, I know what that does to my long duration bonds; it goes up, and I can lock in those coupon payments now and get paid that for a long time versus my money markets, my short duration. That's gonna, you know, fall off the cliff when we go there with our with our portfolios.
1: And can we put some math around that? Can we do a little bit of bond math? Sure, I think so. Right, if the 10 years yielding, call it 3.8 today. Okay. Let's say for easy math. And I can
0: even round to four. I got to do the math math on the 3.8. All right, we'll call it four. (laughs) Four
1: percent today. Let's say it goes down to three percent. Yeah. Fast forward a year, it's at three percent. The duration of the 10 year treasury, the interest rate sensitivity is about seven. Mm -hmm. What that means is, as interest rates fall by 1%, the price of that bond goes up by seven percent. And you've collected the four percent coupon over the course of that year. So, what are we talking about? An 11 percent total return? If interest rates go down by one percent, I'd be thrilled by that in an equity like investment, (laughs) let alone a treasury bond. You know, if they go down by two.
0: Then you've collected that four percent.
1: Yep. Plus and you
0: fourteen. Got fourteen. So that's an eighteen. So eleven to eighteen percent on a one to two percent move. I don't know. Not a bad thing to have in my portfolio. Um, you know, the other
1: the opposite happens if interest rates keep going up, and it's a diversifier. Now, right, bonds and stocks went down at the same time last year because you started at a place where there was no yield in fixed income. Yeah. Now we have yield. The Fed can cut rates. Got to imagine that there's going to be this diversification benefit to owning both bonds and stocks in a portfolio. Yeah. I mean, it's literally why Silicon Valley Bank is no longer here. Right. Right.
0: And and some of our other friends. So, okay. So, we have that. Um, let's talk a little bit about this debt ceiling. So, how much of a worry is it? Because the time's ticking. We got about a week, right? And until we reached the ceiling. And then we have about another seven to eight days of financial maneuvering. And so we're about two weeks out from um, overdrafting the bank account. Is
1: that right? Exactly. Hard to imagine that there won't be a deal, right? We're, in, we're coming up to a presidential cycle. Hard to imagine that either side really wants to take the blame for the lack of a deal.
0: Both sides would like to point the finger, though.
1: This is true. <laughs> you got to
0: get on the other side of that. Um, I think, you know, we have been here before on the debt ceiling. I rem- I've seen it in my career. I remember during the Tea Party Obama years, it was uh, pretty significant. We passed the point of the debt ceiling and, you know, um, government workers were furloughed and some departments were shutting down. And, you know, unfortunately, with our system... Or well, fortunately, this is what it kind of looks like. This is what compromise looks like. You know, when you have these two parties that are really opposed about their fundamental beliefs about how to run the country, um, and they believe different things, you know, of what's going to be best for America. And both parties are coming at it from their discipline of what they believe to be best if we remove all the narratives, right, isn't that really it, right? These two parties um, that say, no, we got to spend and support, you know, uh, those that need support and and we know where we're going to get it from, you know, increase taxes and uh, especially on just the wealthy or successful people. And this other side is saying, yeah, I get it, but you can't, borrow any more money, increasing taxes is going to kill
1: our economy and America. I think either way you look at it, everyone realizes we're in an untenable fiscal situation, yeah. right? With a $34 trillion government debt with the annual deficit at about 6% of GDP, what are we running? 7 or $8 trillion in annual fiscal deficit? It's I think it's down to four now, but- Okay, at 4%. So we've been in this oh, position. Four, yeah, right. $4 trillion. $4 trillion. But we've benefited from that, right? A lot of that was post-COVID spending that a lot of people would argue was totally necessary to get the economy back on track. But it pulled growth from the future into the present. And now we need to pay back that debt in some way. And it's either through higher taxes or it's through higher inflation. Yeah, well, we were
0: looking at that chart before. I mean, we we borrowed more, overspent more in COVID than we did in all the years of the Great Depression combined as a percentage of GDP, not talking about dollars because obviously dollars in 1929 aren't, aren't what they're worth today. But I mean, that was just, you know, astounding. It's a lot of money. We have a big debt. So we get why these sides are coming together to make compromise. We hope they do. If they don't, pretty draconian um, potential – outcomes as far as u.s economy and the stock market yeah 100 um so very very unlikely okay but that would be one of those black swan events if, if that were to occur i'd imagine um lots of financial maneuvering and different things will be talked about if they can't come to a deal but usually they do and usually that's what uh we want our government to do to figure it out and whatever side you're on they have to figure it out and they have to compromise however neither is good for the markets. Neither is good, right? And that's what people want to realize during these rebalancing opportunities that we've had so far year to date, when markets have performed, when growth has performed. And when when you see this lift and then you go, oh, are we out of the woods? No, we're not. Okay. What are we talking about? We're going to go back. Are we back there? Back where? Back when uh, interest rates were zero, Back when you had massive government spending and money printing, uh, back when you had the lowest income taxes you've ever had in your entire life, say goodbye to all three for a long, long time. Potentially never seeing those three again in existence. Because what are we talking about here? Um, if we cut spending, bad for the U.S. economy, right? We're not. We're not spending, and the government's not printing that money and putting it in the the economy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if they don't, we're talking about increasing taxes, which is bad for corporate profits, uh, bad for the economy, or at least the stock market is concerned. Yeah. Right? So either one. We're not talking about favorable outcomes for the future of the U.S. stock market economy as – I mean favorable for the long term. But in the short term, this is the short-term pain that we're having to experience, that the Fed is inducing, that we have to go through as a country, right, to cut that spending – Okay, to not just print money every time there's a problem. Okay, and so far the U.S. consumers spending their way through their savings, and the labor market super tight. We're not even close to being there, and we might have been in a recession since last June. You know, so we'll see. So I think the headline for today is we're now out of the woods, and we've probably been in these woods for quite some time. Agreed. That's to say, there's still this always this wall of worry that we climb. Okay. And the U.S. economy has persevered and the stock market has persevered. So this is not a time where you want to exit the stock market. This is not a time where you want to exit the bond market. We're talking about these opportunities right now because they're good. We want to make money by buying low and selling high. What we're stressing to people is that we're not out of the woods. So keep your long-term playbook at forefront of your mind. Make rules about your rebalancing decisions, concentrations, okay diversifying your risk because as you make it through this you can do very well and in, in investing in things that do well when you have higher inflation when you have higher interest rates when you don't have companies that require lots of borrowing that are impacted by those things right when you start locking in fixed income it guarantees you coupon payments that goes up just like dave explained to us when interest rates fall in the future and I, we don't know when but at some point yes So lots of opportunities right now, okay? But this is a long-term game that we're playing, and we have many innings to go before we're out. Well said. Well, all right. We look forward to getting through the next couple weeks of the debt ceiling news. We'll be back with another Presidio Perspective for you soon. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time here on our show.